Welcome to Central Assembly's podcast. Here is a message from our lead pastor, Kurt Jenkins. We pray this message speaks to you. So last week I talked about how heading into uh, this year, I didn't feel like I had, you know, a lot of uh, clear and strong direction, vision, strategy plans uh, from the Lord. And going into to January, I started to get just a little bit nervous. Like, Lord, what's, you know, what's going on? Are you not speaking? Am I not hearing correctly? Like, what's happening? And it was like the first, uh, first few days of the fast is when he told me, which I shared last week, where he said, I need you, I want you to grow a deeper root system. So he was saying to me, don't focus on all the stuff that's above the ground during this first season of the year, but focus on what's below the surface, what's below the ground. And that does make me nervous because I want to know A, B, C, and D. I want to have all my I's dotted and my T's crossed. And uh, he just gave me a piece about that at the beginning of the year to just refocus on my time with the Lord, my quiet time, the unseen time, the hidden time, the secret place, knowing that he out of that place of overflow is going to show me my own personal areas where I need to grow, uh, family things, and then the church as a whole. And obviously, uh, like I shared last week, I wasn't going to uh, just begin to share messages on it. And he was saying, this is for the church at this season. And man, did we get feedback of that this week as well. Not like, this was a good sermon. This was like, this is what the Lord is saying to me right now in, in my season of life. And we heard back from many of you of that. So I believe that that's what the Lord is saying. So we know that God operates in relationship, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, right? And he know, we know that the word is very clear. He wants us to operate in relationship, to encourage one another, strengthen one another, minister to one another, operate in spiritual gifts, even correct and rebuke one another if necessary. However, when you look throughout the Bible, individuals like Adam, Noah, Abraham, Moses, Elijah, Hannah, Ruth, Mary, Peter, Paul, and even Jesus, they all operated in relationship and in friendship but they all heard from the Lord during their quiet time. Follow their lives out and you'll see they're in relationship. They're fulfilling God's will within community. So they're actually accomplishing the above, you know, the, the, the above the surface uh, uh, ministry with other people. Yet they got direction and clarity and purpose and confidence in their secret place. It was in their private time. It was their life that was below the surface. And I believe this, the Lord still operates like that and he still wants us to operate like that. Where we receive from the Lord, we receive our edification, we receive our encouragement, we receive our instruction from his word, from the Holy Spirit by ourselves. Where even on a Sunday morning, a Sunday morning should be a culmination of all of your worship from the week or a relaunching of a brand new week of what you're about to do with the Lord. It should not be the only time that you spend in his presence, right? This is a public celebration of who our Lord is. And the rest of the week can be where you're hidden, where no one else is seeing you preparing for what he wants to do in your life. So I believe the Lord's just saying, don't, let's not overcomplicate this. Let's not overcomplicate this. Let's not overcomplicate this. All of the ministries that we have and the groups that we have and the opportunities we have to share, the prophetic words, people being activated and words of knowledge and healing and all of these things that can be seen. We can have all of these things. We could be celebrated for all of the awards. We could be celebrated for all the ministries that we're doing out in El Salvador and all this stuff. 
But without a life that is below the surface, it will all go to waste. It'll all be short-lived. It'll be a great service. It'll be a great revival. It'll be a great moment in time, and it won't be sustained. I've read enough articles on revivals that have hit America, and they've lasted short periods of time. Well, we said, well, the revivalists, they fell into sin, or this happened, or they started to get their eyes off this and this. No, I actually believe it's because the hidden life was not taken care of. Because eventually the revivalist is gonna go on somewhere else. And then the church body, the community, the city, whatever God has touched in that moment, this is the time where we need to become self-feeders. Where we need to say, no matter everything else that I've accomplished that you can see, none of that matters if I forget to spend time with Jesus by myself. I met a couple uh, young men and a young lady from uh, Valley Forge with Tim Howes home for the weekend. Give it up. Now we want to welcome you guys. And I was sitting here thinking, you know, between Valley Forge and Berean School of the Bible, which many of us who, who went to college for another vocation and were called to ministry after, I, started, I was just, just thinking during, during worship today of how much preparation, not just the Assemblies of God, just ministry in general, how much preparation they give us for things that are seen. It's like how to do ministry and how to do this and how to lead and how to preach and how to do this. I was thinking like, I, I remember like a half of a course on prayer. And I don't remember any chapters on just sitting in his presence, hearing from the voice of the Lord. So I'm like sitting there thinking, wow, like this, this has to change. How we prepare people, even I'm talking just in our church. I'm not making any judgments about schools or trainings or anything. I'm saying just in our church alone, what we've talked about as a pastoral staff in leadership development all these things that, you know, honoring one another, serving within your sweet spot, running with your gifts and all these things. And it's like, wait a minute. How about we just spend a few months teaching on prayer, worship, and not the public stuff. Like how to be patient and rest your soul in his presence. Because I believe everything else is hinging on that. I'm, I'm learning a lot. I'm learning a lot right along with you. So this is what we want. We want deep roots. We want a strong foundation. We want a well that's overflowing with, with living water. So the Lord said, grow deep roots, grow deep roots, grow deep roots. That's what he told me. Instead of having all these other plans in your life, let's grow some deep roots. That's what we want to talk about today. If you want to turn to Psalm uh, 1, we're going to just read a few verses in Psalm 1. I'm going to read out of the New Living Translation. That, uh, that's the Bible that's in your pews. And there's also notepads if you want to just jot some of these other verses down that we're going to go through. So Psalm 1 and Jeremiah 17, I want to talk mostly about those two today. I want to talk to you about being planted by the river. If the Lord's telling me to grow deeper roots, I need to know how to do that. I don't just need to feel good about it or that feeling's eventually going to go away. I don't need to be inspired by it or eventually I'm going to wake up tired one day, right? I need to know how does this operate according to God's word. And I believe it shares with it just in these few verses in Psalm 1, starting with the first few verses here. It says, Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join in with mockers, but they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. They are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season. 
Their leaves never wither and they prosper, say, in all. Say it like you mean it, in all. They prosper in all they do. They prosper in all they do. So what I'm getting from this, when I'm reading just this first portion of verse one, I'm realizing now I'm not supposed to get my nourishment from people who are wicked, from people who mock others, from people who are critical, from people who complain all the time, from people who see all the, all the bad that's going on in the world. That's not where my nourishment is supposed to come from. That's not where my substance is supposed to come from. That's not where my spiritual energy or encouragement or even correction is supposed to come from. And it's not supposed to come from that with you either. So it's saying here, oh, the joys. There's joy that is found for people who are not receiving advice from the wicked. Or what does that say? Standing around with sinners. What does that mean? Hanging out with them, spending a lot of time with them. Now watch this. It says, or join in with mockers. Now you could be saying, Kurt, you're all about advance, 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 go. Jesus, he hung out with the tax collectors. He hung out with alcoholics. He hung out with prostitutes. He hung out with sinners. What does that mean? If you're following in the verses here, there's a huge difference between receiving your food from people who are not with the Lord and them benefiting from your fruit. There's a big difference. So if you look at below the surface where your roots are and above the surface where your fruit is, you should be hanging out with people who are sourcing and feeding the strength of your roots. So hang out with people who are positive, who are speaking life, who are bringing good correction, who are godly people, who have depth in their life. Hang out with such people. And still hang out with those who are caught in sin, addiction, alternative lifestyles, drugs. Be around them. But they're not supposed to be your source of your root. They're supposed to be benefiting from your fruit. There is a huge difference. So we can stay fully engaged with all of culture without judging, criticizing, or moaning or groaning how people are living. And we get to decide who helps feed us and who we feed. That is right. <laughs> so it says here that they delight in the law of the Lord. That, that word delight means enjoys. You get joy from and pleasure from the law of the Lord. When this was written, they had most likely just the Torah, the five books, or may have been a few others, depending upon when this specific Psalm was written. We have the privilege of having the entirety of the Bible to enjoy. I don't want you to get caught up in this word law. Like, well, the, the Ten Commandments, we're not supposed to live by the spirit of the law or by the letter of the law, but by the spirit of the law. Don't get caught up by the word law. It's meaning the instructions of the Lord. It's how he revealed himself as the God of the Hebrews. And now we know there is no more Jew and Gentile. Anyone who is in Christ is in Christ. So what this is saying is we should get to a point, oh, the joys of those who don't do this, but who delight themselves in the law of the Lord. So I started to think about this. How am I delighting myself in the law of the Lord? How am I enjoying not just reading scripture, but actually obeying it? Anytime you hear the word obedience, it's like, oh, I don't really want to do that. Like, no, 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 this is for your benefit. He's not giving you his word like to beat you down and do this and you follow my rules and this and this. Right? Even how we teach sin. It's not like he's getting mad at you when you sin. He's upset. 
You're grieving the spirit because sin is destroying your life. He loves you enough to not want you to get caught up in this. So if you are not enjoying and delighting yourself in the law of the Lord, just, just take a minute to think about how you're approaching God's word. If you're reading it just for information, if you don't read it, then you feel guilty. Well, I have to get at least a half a chapter or a chapter and I'm on this, this, and you're just reading it for information. You're not going to enjoy it. His word is supposed to transform you until you become a living epistle, until you're actually living this word. So I would say this, if you're trying to plow through portions of scripture in a day just to get information in you, slow down, read, read the verses and try to pick out the nature of God, the character of God, and the actions of God in these verses, and then try to find yourself in these verses. So if you take just these and you're like, just flying through these, oh, the joys of those, okay, verse two, verse three, verse four, I gotta get all Psalm one, okay, good, it's not that long of a verse. I gotta go all the way to Psalm two and Psalm three. Slow down and ask yourself, like, like what if you only got one verse done today or tomorrow? What if it was Psalm, you were trying to read through Psalm one through five? And you stopped, oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around sinners or join in with mockers. And you just stopped and you're like, Lord, I don't have the joy that Jesus had. He seemed pretty joyful. I want that joy. So show me, am I hanging around anybody else that I shouldn't be for too long? Am I receiving advice from somebody who is receiving advice from the world? And so the source in my root is not godly. What if you just stopped and asked yourself that? And what if you were bold enough to cut a friendship off for a season if he told you to? Oh, the joys of being free from all of the complaining, whining, and moaning that that person's doing in your life. What if you took a season to say, I'm going into my hiding place. I'm going below the surface. I'm not going out with you guys on the weekends anymore. And you get strong and you grow the roots until you're growing the right fruit. And then you embrace them again. And then you come into, into relationship with them once again, and now they're benefiting from your fruit without poisoning what's under the ground in your life. What if all that happened just because you delighted yourself in one verse? Like, wouldn't Scripture be a lot more exciting? This is what it meant to the Hebrews. This was transformative. It wasn't a reading plan. It wasn't a Christian duty to do so you didn't feel guilty. This is actually supposed to transform your life. So it says, meditating on, on it day and night. Meditating on the Lord. Meditating on the law of the Lord day and night. I read this quote this past week from one of the commentaries I was reading. It says, meditation is not the setting apart of a special time for personal devotions, whether morning or evening. It is the reflection on the word of God in the course of daily activities. That's really good. See, we could think we're gonna stop while we're reading and ask good questions, but meditating on it is continuously bringing that up into your mind until it hits your spirit. It's an activation of your body, your soul, and your spirit. We like, we do, we make God's word so boring the way we approach it. In the, West, in the Western world, we're very logical and we line by line and precept upon precept. Those things are important. But if you see how Jesus taught, he was the most creative teacher that ever walked the face of this earth. He's walking along and he sees this, this clump, of, the clump in the world, uh, grapes, tell me. Cluster. cluster, thank you. This cluster of grapes and then he teaches them a lesson right on here. 
He's walking past and he sees a tree. He sees it's not producing the fruit even though it's supposed to be and he curses it. These are like active things that engage not just their spirit, but their soul, their mind, their body, taking them on a journey through learning about the kingdom. That's what God's word is supposed to do. So we read it and it activates something in our mind that throughout the course of our daily activities, we're thinking upon it. We're considering it. We're asking our questions. How about being okay with not being okay with what it says? How about leaving your time with the Lord and just saying, God, I still don't understand that. Help me to just wrestle through that. I need to focus on my day and get my work done, but I want to figure this thing out. Let the Lord teach you through daily activities. In his day, the meditation engaged their mind a lot more than it does with us. And I'm not talking about some new age religion. That meditation is empty. Listen to me, because I hear med- you hear meditation, you automatically think of what the new age has stolen from the Bible. Meditation was God's idea, folks. It wasn't holding a crystal and imagining your future. Meditation is God's idea. So in Eastern religions, new age religions, meditation is emptying your mind until you're in a place of euphoria, and allowing any happy thought to enter in. And those are called masked demons. When you empty your mind and let anything come in, you open a wide door for the demonic. Biblical meditation is not emptying your mind. It's filling your mind with the word of God. Even if you think about what faith is, what is faith? It's seeing something in your spirit before you see it with your eyes. So where does that start a lot of times? In your imagination. Oh, don't use your imagination. That's going to get unbiblical. No. Fill your imagination with his word until it hits your heart, and now you have faith for it. So think about this. I did this throughout this past week. If you don't have faith for a specific breakthrough right now in your life, maybe it's healing, or maybe you just can't see yourself getting past a big mountain in your life. You have a big problem, okay? You don't have faith for it. Start meditating on this verse. So we can actually activate ourselves right now in doing this. Completely biblical by filling our minds. If you, want, if, you, if you don't mind, just close your eyes. If you would imagine at this point, like just say you calmed yourself. You got a lot of problems going on in your life and everything, you're not acting like anything's pretty right now. If you just sat there and you pictured a seed going into the ground and you pictured water starting to penetrate that seed until that seed breaks forth. And a little root grows down, a little root grows down, and then eventually a little sprout comes up, a little shoot. You can actually picture in accelerated time these roots growing deeper and deeper, wider and wider, and then this, this little, little sprout becoming a thin trunk that becomes thicker, and now the bark becomes more rough. Just imagine these branches shooting out. You guys see it? Y'all have an imagination? Just, just picture it. Then imagine the greenest leaves that you can see covering that tree and the brightest color fruit. I'll even let you get, pick the color. Orange, red. You can even throw some purple on there if you want to. Whatever you want. Now, if you picture this tree completely rooted, now just look over. Look to your left or look to your right. doesn't matter which way. And picture about 20 feet away, just a beautiful, calm river going past it. You can actually picture now underground the water in that soil because it's moist soil because it's right next to the river 
giving the source to those roots. You could picture the fruit growing. You could picture people coming off and plucking from that fruit. And you can open your eyes. If you can do that with your eyes open while you're working, if you can allow that image and now you can say, this is me. The Bible says, this is me. The Bible says that I will have joy when I remove myself from the wrong sources. And if I get planted next to the river, I'm this tree. In fact, I'm this tree that's always bearing fruit that leaves never wither and is prosperous in all we do. Are you with me? Do you know that's a completely biblical way of meditating? You are filling your mind with scripture, using your imagination, using your soul until it hits your spirit, until one day you wake up and you say, wow, I'm that tree. I don't need to picture it anymore. I know in faith, I am that tree. I will produce fruit. I will prosper in all I do. And my leaves are not going anywhere. Now you could do that with finances. You could do that with healing. You could do that with provision. You find somewhere in scripture where Jesus ministered to somebody and imagine that thing and picture that thing and fill your mind with that until it can transfer. And you say, I can now believe that for myself. That's faith. It's seeing it in your spirit until you see it come to pass. So let's just look at the tree a little bit closer. The verse says here, they are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all they do. So planted along the river. This is not some random tree planted anywhere. It wasn't planted on a mountaintop. It's not planted in a valley. It's not planted in the desert. It's not planted on a plain. It says it's planted next to, along the riverbank. Why? Why? What do the roots need? Roots need water. Roots grow best where there's a water source, where there's minerals and oxygen, where there's this rich soil that can feed in. So if you think about a root system, it has different functions. In the wintertime right now, it's storing up food so that the spring foliage can come. But from spring to fall, it is sucking up the water and the minerals from the soil, and it pushes all of this food up into the rest of the tree. It's how the trunk gets stronger, the branches get longer, the leaves get green, and the fruit grows. What happens, though, is if a part of that root system gets damaged, there will be a part of the tree that dies out. I started thinking about that about my life. Like, you want to see certain areas prosper, you give attention to those things, and you forget about certain other things, and that branch starts to die off. You don't see fruit in that area. But we need to allow the Lord to give us the source of nourishment to grow a root system that's deep. The Bible says in multiple places, I'm gonna read three, that Jesus is the living water. Like why, who, why are we picturing ourselves planted by water? He is the living water. So what we need to do is have our feet, our life, our foundation planted next to Jesus. He's gonna continue to feed us and continue to feed us. And we're not going to have roots damaged if we allow him to feed us. In John 4, 10, it says this. If you, he's talking to the woman at the well. He says, if you only knew the gift God has for you and, you are speaking, and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. John 7, 37, Jesus stood and shouted to the crowds, anyone who is thirsty may come to me. I don't think they're getting like their canteens and all their, you know, their glasses and so on ready. Come with big thermos. Here, Jesus. He says, anyone who believes in me may come and drink 
For the scriptures declare rivers of living water will flow from his heart. He's talking about the spirit who was about to be given to everyone believing in Jesus. So it's not just planted by the river, but now we're going a step further that the river is in, inside of you and that you should be welling over. There should be an eternal spring coming forth from you as you're rooted with him. In Revelation 21, it says, Jesus said, it is finished. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I, or to all who are thirsty, I will give freely from the springs of the water of life. So Jesus is our source. <laughs> he's our nourishment. He's our life. He's our sustenance. He is the only way, a personal relationship with him. I'm telling you again, I don't care if you ever preach from a pulpit. I don't care what the crowds are that you ever attract. I don't care if anybody ever even recognize you for doing something. The importance in your life is a personal, private relationship with Jesus, Amen. the living water. It's where everything else flows out of. If you look at roots too, roots are not just the source uh, of where you get your food. They're also the strength. They're the anchor. They're the unseen anchor to everything that is seen. So we say, well, I worship Jesus on Sunday and I read, him, you know, read about him when, he, when we're in our small group. No, 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 no. The roots are unseen and they anchor everything else that is seen. It was either 1995 or 1996. I was in high school then. I worked for a tree service. This isn't a picture from the actual event. I just found a cool picture. And a microburst, this isn't the one that happened in 2005. It was like 10 years earlier. A microburst ripped through the south side of Pittsburgh. And the next day, we went up and uh, we started looking at, I mean, there's enormous trees that could not withstand uh, the, the strength of this wind. I remember climbing over logs, climbing over branches and like all these, this structure of this tree just to get to the person's house. And I remember even with the insurance companies, these, these guys, these tree companies, what, what would have costed a normal pruning and normal care of a tree, a few hundred dollars, was now gonna cost three, four, five thousand dollars because a storm had hit. An emergency was now at stake. I started thinking about it. Wow, when a storm came and actually wrecked these trees that did not have the root system to withstand the storm, so much money, so much time, and so many people were required to clean up this mess. The Lord just showed me, listen, if you're managing your root system day by day, you're allowing these roots to grow deeper, stronger, and wider. When the storm comes, it's not gonna cost a lot of money and a lot of people and a lot of time to clean up a mess because there's not going to be a mess. We are actually, there's an expectation because of the grace of God on our life to grow a root system that then when a storm comes, we're not running from the storm, we're getting crushed by the storm, we're speaking to the storm. So like when I see these things in scriptures, I want it like right now. And the Lord just showed me a few, a few days ago, like a, a, a root just growing inch by inch. And as it's growing, it's thin and then it eventually matures and it starts to get thick. Trees have something also, some of the trees have like a tap root where there's a main root, thick root, that then has these subsidiary roots that are growing out of it. So this does take time. Like when we're on this sprint with the Lord, we're saying, no, I actually just wanna be with you. I wanna learn what it feels like to just be with you. It also says it bears fruit each season. I love this because this goes completely, what scripture is saying here is going completely against the laws of nature. So if you can believe in your heart 
that when the psalmist wrote this, that you are like a tree that has fruit producing in every single season, then you are coming into agreement with a theology that believes you can operate against the laws of nature. You can operate exceedingly from what you are normally seeing. So when you're watching the fruit fall off trees and rot and die in the fall, you know, if they, if they haven't been picked and you say, no, but God, your word says, I'm like, a fr- I'm like a tree where the fruit never rots. It never dies. It's always bearing fruit. And then you come into a realization, wow, your kingdom operates nothing like this world. He put laws in motion for this world, but he has laws of the kingdom that are completely different, completely opposite of what people expect. Well, we go through seasons, mountaintops and valleys and good times and bad times. What if we didn't accept that theology? You know, that, that's hogwash. That's a lie. I have high times and low times. That's not at all what this scripture is saying. Well, you have some big fruits some seasons and some low fruits the other season. Didn't rain a lot. No, it's always raining when you're close to that river. Always a water source. Always a living water when you just plant yourself there. That doesn't mean bad things won't happen. Are you following me? I'm not talking about just a happy, fluffy life where you're going to glide on a cloud. You can only control yourself. So difficult times may come. Other things might happen around you. It's for us to get to a point to actually believe that my roots are growing in the unseen part of my life to a point where I will bear fruit in each season and my leaves will never wither. So even leaves, leaves are what stores the energy that it gets from the sun. It gets the water and the minerals from the roots. And it is actually like a factory of making the energy. So it turns like the carbon dioxide, the minerals and the water. It mixes those things together and provides the food for the rest of the tree. So what happens in the fall when there's less sunlight, the temperature is changing, it stops making food. So guess what happens a few weeks after it stops working? It dies. We love it because we see the beautiful colors of Western PA, right? Look, this is beautiful. It's going through a process of dying. So the leaves in these scriptures are saying they'll never wither. They'll never brown. They'll never die. They'll never fall off, which means it's always producing food. So if I'm thinking about this, if I'm planted by the river and the water is always flowing into my roots, the water is always flowing into my roots and I'm always chewing on it, I'm always meditating on it, I'm always producing food in my heart, my spirit, my mind, my soul. If I'm always producing that food, then I know I don't have to go through a dry season. My leaves never have to wither. I wanna cross-reference Jeremiah 17. This is some really good verses here in verse seven and eight. almost the same exact situation. If you go up to verse like five and six, I think it it really lays out what Psalm 1-1 says. I just want to jump to verse seven though. It says, blessed are those who trust in the Lord and have made the Lord their hope and confidence. They are like trees planted along a riverbank. Here we go again. If we're trusting the Lord, he's our hope and our confidence. What are we? We are like trees right along this riverbank. So what happens? It says the roots that reach deep into the water deep into the water. It says, such trees are not bothered by the heat or worried by long months of drought. Their leaves stay green and they never stop producing fruit. America's going to hell. This is happening. Politics, all this stuff can be happening. 
Everybody else can complain about the, the country being in a drought and all this bad stuff and extreme heat and the, the enemy is gonna do this. And you could say, wait a minute, I'm not going to be phased by this. Jeremiah 7, 7 and 8, 17, 7 and 8 says that I am like a tree that is not bothered by the heat. I'm not bothered by the drought. Why? It's not about what was above the surface. What comes first? That that person had roots going deep into the water. We do, we celebrate so much of the above the surface success that we neglect under the surface. We don't do it intentionally. It's just when you, when you celebrate the successes of somebody and you're honoring what they're doing in the Lord, that person starts to think on that more. So I wanna get better at that and that and that. We just missed, we missed the secret. Getting better at that is what happens down here. Like nobody's gonna walk up to your yard and be like, man, you have such beautiful roots. I just love it when the water goes into those roots and oh, what are they gonna do? They're gonna come and they're gonna pick fruit off what they see. They're gonna take a bite and they're gonna say, this is really good. And you know that you've pruned that tree and you know that you've watered that tree and you know you've cared for it. It's like, I've never had one person say, I love how you spend time alone with Jesus when no one's looking. I just love how you worship in that weird voice of yours when no one, when no one else is around. Oh, that time when you know, you're all by yourself, that was wonderful. Nobody's gonna say that because no one else is there. But sometimes we work for other people's congratulations, great job, and we focus on all this stuff. I say, let's forget about it. Let's keep doing what God's called us to do, but let's develop the unseen world. Let's develop our private life. Let's put the importance on that first. And when that fruit comes, you could be like, I know the secret of this. Let me talk to you. It's about developing a deeper root system. This will change our church. This will change your life. It'll change the, tra the traje trajectory, the path of our church. I'm gonna close uh, with two portions of scripture. I wanna look at very briefly God's original intention for our nourishment. How did he originally intend for us to receive our nourishment? In Genesis, the, 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 they'll be up here <clears throat> on the screen. In Genesis 2, all the way back in the garden, so at verse eight, it says, then the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east. And there he placed the man he had made. The Lord God made all sorts of trees grow up from the ground, trees that were beautiful and trees that produced delicious fruit. I wonder how they produced this fruit. This is in the middle of the garden, he placed the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Verse 10, a river, can you say River. A river flowed from the land of Eden, which means it started there. And what did it do? It says watering the garden and then dividing into four branches. The river initially started in the garden of Eden and flowed from there. It watered everything in the garden. All of the roots, all of the strength, all of the fruit came from that river that God first created. And every fruit that came from that tree only came from the source of this river. In verse 17, it says, the Lord God warns him, Adam, you may eat freely from any fruit, eat from the fruit of every tree in the garden, except the tree of knowledge of good and evil. 
If you eat its fruit, you will surely die. And it was because they, they were now, God didn't want us to have that. Okay, this is good, this is bad, so now I'm gonna choose bad. We were simply supposed to be in relationship with him, his goodness, his grace. But he also gave us a free will. So this was his original plan. This was God's system. He put water being the source of life. He put roots on the trees unseen so that everything that was seen was given life because of this river. If you just want to read, I'm not going to do it because of time. If you want to read Ezekiel 47, powerful chapter on, and it's really an, an apocalyptic vision of the restoration of all things. But I want to take you from Genesis. Now we'll close in Revelation 22. So Genesis, the river's planted and it's giving source and food to everything that has life. Revelation 22, this is God's eternal, the forever after plan of God for nourishment. This is in the new Jerusalem, the new heavens and the new earth. Revelation 22 says this, then the angel showed me a river with the water of life. Can you say water of life? Whew. The angel showed John, a river with the water of life, as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. So instead of flowing just from the garden now, now it's actually flowing from the throne that the Father and the Lamb sit upon. It flowed down the center of the main street. On each side of the river grew a tree of life or, or life-giving trees. There were multiple trees all the way down this road, being fed by the water of life coming from the throne of God and the Lamb. What happened to these? It says, bearing 12 crops of fruit. That means each season. Are you with me? Are you with me? With a fresh crop each month, which means every single month it was growing new, never dying, never withering. Now it says here, the leaves were used for medicine to heal the nations. So if we look at Genesis all the way to Revelation and now tie in Psalm and Jeremiah, God's plan, God's intention was that man and woman would receive nourishment from fruit that comes from trees that are being watered by the river of life. It was a river of life. In Genesis, there's a river of life. In Revelation, there's a river of life all the way between. So wait a minute. Before the end of time, before the final judgment, how in the world is man, men and women being nourished from fruit that is growing on trees that are planted by the river? How are men and women who are dying and going to hell, who are far from God, who are rebellious against God. Where are they receiving the fruit that's coming from trees being planted by the river? Why don't you put your hand up? This is his system. This is what he put in play. The average pagan Satan worshiper or person that's just living their life on their own is not gonna pick up the word of God. So we pick up the word of God. We worship the king. We spend time with him. We get our roots deep down in that dirt where we will not be shaken. And we bear fruit every season where our leaves never wither, never fall. 
And then people who are desperate for help, who are lost, who are cutting themselves, who are addicted to drugs, who are in a mess in their life, can look at your fruit and say, I want some of that. Let me tell you how I got this. From the beginning of time till the end of time as we know and all the way into eternity, God's showing the benefit of being planted by the river. We have that opportunity. Why don't we stand? If you just close yourself off with the Lord, if you just want to close your eyes out of respect to other people around you just for this moment in time. <clears throat> I feel like on a, you know, a message like today, you'll know if you have never received Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you've never said, I'm not even coming close to this river right now. If you feel like that's you, if you feel like you've never made peace with God, if you feel like you've never uh, looked at God's word as something that's supposed to transform you, if you've never looked at Jesus as a river of life in your life, I, I believe you'll know if that's you today. We pray even before service today that if there's anyone in here that's not in right relationship with God through Christ being their Savior, that they would be born again, Scripture calls it. They would be saved from their sins. So if that's you today and you want to come into relationship with the Father through Jesus being the river of life in your life, I want you just to look up at me I want you to raise your hand at this time. I want to see you and I want to be able to pray with you. Anyone in this room today that knows they're not right with God and today is the day to get right with God. I see your hand. Thank you very much. Anyone else that knows you're not right with God, today's the day you want to just jump in the river. You're like, I'm not going to be planted by the river. I want to jump in the river. Thank you, Lord. Pastor Todd, I'm gonna to ask if you could just minister one-on-one -on -one to them so we could just finish this up here. So this is what I wanna do. I just wanna take time. Adam's just gonna sing uh, a song. There's not gonna be words up because I don't want you to focus on words. I just want you to spend just these few minutes. It's just to be used as an example of what the rest of your week can look like. So this isn't like the culmination. This is just an activation. It's an example. It's a moment in time that you can use to say, make a declaration. I want to be planted by the riverbank. My encouragement to you would be is to come forward. Find a place along the side here. Find a place up front to make that declaration, to say, I want to be planted. Just that we're just going to enjoy this, these next four or five minutes in his presence. You can come forward if you want. You can be seated if you want. Whatever you want to do to close yourself off with the Lord. And then I'll close in prayer here. to the water all who are thirsty come and drink come to the table all who are Thank you for joining us. Be sure to check us out on the web at centralconnect.org.